Welcome back, my fellow creatives. We are here on another episode of You Got Five Pages to Tell Me It's Good. Because, let's face it, as working writers and picky readers, uh, we don't often have a lot of time for stories that don't have something to engage us in those opening pages. We, we just don't. Um, we want something to grip us. Something. And if there's nothing there, why should we keep reading? That's what we're told from by agents and other readers as writers. So let's, uh, let's see what writing lessons we can learn from the opening pages of Joan is Okay. And I'm hope uh, I, I am going to do my best respectfully pronouncing the author's name. Uh, Waiki Wang. Uh, again, I apologize if I did not pronounce Wang's name properly. Um, now, this is not sci-fi. This is not mystery. This is not fantasy. This is apparently a book of uh, that is humorous. Um, I see on the back one blurb says, this is an Asian American novel like no other, set in the heart of the pandemic in the city I call home. Joan is my hero. Okay, it's been a while. No, let's scratch that. I don't think I've ever just done a typical dramatic novel set in current times on this podcast. And considering the wealth of praise on the back, it sounds like this would be a good one to to try out. Uh, I do like that the cover is very, I think I can use the term understated because it's just the the title filling the cover. Joan is okay. Only the A is red, unlike the rest of the blue font, and the A is upside down. We'll see what that means. I'm, I'm curious and considering all the delightful blurbs on the back about how awesome this is, then let's, let's see. Maybe we will find this awesome as well. First chapter. When I think about people, I think about space, how much space a, a person takes up and how much use that person provides. I am just under five feet tall and just under, under 100 pounds. Briefly, I thought I would exceed five feet, and while that would have been fine, I also didn't need the extra height. To stay just under something gives me a sense of comfort, as when it rains and I can open an umbrella over my head. Today, someone said that I looked like a mouse. Five, six, and 290 pounds, he, in a backless gown with non-slip tube socks, said that my looking like a mouse made him wary. He asked how old I was. What schools had I gone to, and were they prestigious? Then where are the, my degrees from this, these prestigious schools? My degrees are large and framed, I said. I don't carry them around. While not a mouse, I do have prosaic features. My eyes hooded and lashless. I have very thin eyebrows. I told the man that he could try another hospital or come back at another time. But high chance that I would still be here and he would still think that I looked like a mouse. 
I read somewhere that empathy is repeating the last three words of a sentence and nodding your head. My 20s were spent in school, and a girl in her 20s is said to be in her prime. After that decade, all is lost. They must mean looks, because what could a female brain be worth? And how long could one last? Being in school often felt like a race. I was told to grab time, and if I didn't, that is, reach out the window and pull time in like a messenger dove, someone else in another car would. The road was full of cars, limousines, and Priuses, but there were a limited number of doves. With this image in mind, I can no longer ride in a vehicle with the windows down. Inevitably, I will look for the dove and offer my hand out to be cut off. So that was the first page and a half. And I want to pause there. We are definitely in something different here. And so I'm trying to rejigger my sensibilities regarding what to expect from the opening page of a, pages of a novel that is not written with a set genre in mind, as it were. Like, it's not like Wang has to do a lot of world building, as it were, or, um, is focused on providing adequate detail for escapism. We are very much focused on the experience and the reflection of experience. So this first page and a half, we are being given a sense of who our narrator is. And we get a sense of that. We, we know this person works in a hospital. We know this person is, um, is short, <laughs> as she says, um, you know, that her features are not automatically attributed to, I'll say, the Western idea of attraction, like mentioning the fact that she has very thin eyebrows. Um, though technically, I, I can't even say she, because while the cover says Joan is okay, as of right now, the gender has not been specified. And we're kind of given a sense of that the, when she's reflecting, I'll say she, I guess, uh, that a girl in her 20s is said to be in her prime. But it's still, it's not fixated on that. This is, it feels a little bit like, you know what, no, no, I'm noticing here we are trying to be unique to the experience and the experience isn't just the physical presence or the age. Wang is touching on these little details, but it sounds like it's more the moment in life that is why we are in this story. It's that last paragraph in this moment, in this opening that gets me. The idea that, with this image in mind, I can no longer ride in a vehicle with the windows down. Inevitably, I will look for the dove and offer my hand out to be cut off. So, it's like Wang has come, it sounds like Wang is coming to terms with the fact that the race cannot be won. 
that grabbing life is just not possible because to reach out and grab for life is only going to result in irrevocably uh, uh, irreversible damage because apparently I can't say other words. And that kind of fear, that, that connects with a lot of people. That is an extremely relatable emotion. And while we are not dealing with any, you know, spaceships exploding or duels out in a desert, um, I'm wondering what is happening with this protagonist. Let's, let's keep going. Let's see what else these opening pages have to offer. My father's stroke was fatal. Having followed the natural course of a stroke of that magnitude to its predictable end. Usually people die from complications, and I was grateful he hadn't. Complications would have angered, angered him, actually, to have died not from a single blow, but from a total system shutdown, which was slower, more painful, and revealed just how vulnerable a person could be. Months prior, he had complained of headaches and eye pressure. I told him to get some tests done, and he said that he would, which meant he wouldn't. In China, my father ran a construction company that, in the last decade, had finally seen success. He was a typical workaholic, and for most of my childhood, adolescence, adulthood, not often around. When I got the news, I was in my office at the hospital, at work. My father had tripped over a bundle of projector cords during a meeting and bounced his head off a chair. As my mother was explaining, either the fall triggered the stroke or the stroke triggered the fall, I asked her to put the phone next to his ear. He was already unconscious, un unconscious, but hearing is the last sense to go. Given the time difference on my side, only morning in Manhattan, since I was 12 hours behind, my father was still en route to, that, to the meeting that my, by my mother's accounts was meant to be ordinary. I asked my father how his drive was going, and if he could, just for today, take a few hours off. He obviously didn't reply, but I said either way this went, I was proud of him. He had never planned to retire and remained until the very end, doing what he loved. Chuyang, I said into the phone and raised my fist into the air. After my mother hung up, I sat there for a while, not facing the computer, and that was my mistake. Having seen my fist go up, the other two doctors in the office asked whom I had been talking to, and what was that strange sound I just made. I said my father, and that the sound was closer to a word, but the word meant nothing. My colleagues didn't know I spoke Chinese, and I wanted to keep it that way to avoid any confusion. But the word did mean something. It had many definitions, one of which was to begin. It was late September, and my female colleague Madeline was teasing my male colleague Reese about summer, which was his favorite season, so he was sad to see it go. Only little girls like summers, Madeline said to Reese. Little girls in flower crowns and paisley dresses. 
Reese was a 62, well, I'm sorry, a 6'2", 190-pound All-American guy who went on casual dates with lots of women but flirted with only Madeline at work. I'm madly in love with you, he would say to her in front of the other colleagues like me, and Madeline would either ignore him completely or relentlessly try to get him back. Madeline was a 5'7", 139-pound robust German woman with a slight accent. She has, she has had the same software engineer boyfriend for seven years, and they lived in an apartment with lots of plants. What's wrong? I'll, I'll reflect on this in a minute. I wanna, I'm just going to get through this next scene. What's wrong? Madeline asked, sensing that I had been turned away from my monitor for too long. I asked if one of them could cover my weekend shift. I apologized for the short notice, but I had to leave. Both were happy to do it, and even commended my request, since, like my father, I was a workaholic and known to never take time off. They asked where I was going, and I said China, but just for the weekend. Then I turned from them and started packing up my things. Fine, don't tell us, said Reese. I know what it is, Madeline said with a mischievous glint. You're off to get married. You're going to elope. Elope is a funny word and, in hospital speak for patients, meant to leave the building at the risk of yourself and without a doctor's consent. After I mentioned my father's passing, Madeline gasped, covering her mouth and for a second shutting her eyes. Through her fingers, she asked if that had been my last conversation with him, and the sound I made was it then a sound of grief. I said, no, not really, and left it at that. Reese and Madeline asked me a few more questions, like when I last saw him and how long has it been since I left China? You were born there, no? Reese asked, and I said I was born in the Bay Area. California, Madeline said, a great place to be born. But Oakland, I said, to not seem like I was giving my birthplace too much credit. Sorry, I am not from California, so I'm not sure how this geography affects. Okay. Right, Reese said. A still, Madeline said. I told them that the last time I saw my father was in spring. He had been in New York for business, a possible opportunity here, a new client, and on his way back to JFK, drove past the hospital and met me in its first floor atrium that had fake greenery and a small cafe. He bought me a cup of coffee and I was almost done with it when he had to leave and catch his flight. But to China, I rarely went. Nor did I consider myself too Chinese. The, the moment those words left my mouth, I wondered why I had said them. What was wrong with being too Chinese? Yet it always seemed that something was. I felt a draft, but that was impossible. Our shared office was a windowless room with a dozen desks lined up against walls and refreshing refreshments station in the back. The door opened to a hall that had no open windows and was only used to transport equipment. A folded up wheelchair, an empty bed, pushed by hunched over techs. Madeline asked if I wanted some gum and it seemed we all did, so we passed the gum packet around and discussed the fresh minty flavor. She asked if I wanted the rest of the pack. International flights were long. How long exactly? I said 16 hours, to which Reese replied, Shit. I was surprised that neither asked where in China I was going. The country was large and much of it rural. 
Google Maps didn't work there. But there were only two cities most people knew about. And I was going not to the capital, but the other one by the sea. Okay, I'm going to stop there. We, we've read about five pages, actually. And as one who has lost her father some years ago, and when this, this is the time of year where that feeling is particularly raw, I can understand our characters, our narrators, strange disconnected approach to announcing the passing. Like I, I appreciated the very real response from colleagues. I mean, especially considering how our narrator establishes that she has always been a workaholic. She's always been very dedicated. So the fact that she's asking for time off on something that of course is going to arouse their curiosity and their curiosity bends towards something positive like a marriage. And when she responds, you know, quite the opposite as far as family death, there is a very realistic response and that awkwardness among work colleagues who just don't know each other well, who want to have the proprieties of showing respect and sympathy, but not knowing how. Because it's very clear amongst Reese, Madeline, and uh, Joan, though she hasn't been addressed as Joan yet, uh, that they don't know each other well. Like she know, what does she know about them? She knows how tall they are. She knows roughly how much they weigh and a vague sense of where they, you know, what they do. One is flirtatious and casually dating. The other lives with a boyfriend full of, with a place of plants, but that's, that's all they are. And I think it says something about our narrator that she seems to know so very little about them. It makes us wonder, considering these were the kinds of details she used to introduce herself to us, how much does she know about herself? Or that she's willing to admit she knows about herself. So while I'm not necessarily seeing the humor that all these little blurbs on the back are talking about, you know, scathingly witty, okay. Um, <laughs> and darkly biting wit, okay. I mean, that maybe it's coming. There's apparently sly wit and, and off-kilter observations. I guess they're coming. But I will say, the, the writing here is very well done. And I do appreciate the, the non-dramatic approach in describing learning of her father's death. I think that understated approach helps us as readers feel that the grief has not truly hit yet, or maybe there is no grief, which also then says something about their relationship. So there is something to be learned here. Is this my typical read? No. Am I still glad I picked it up? You know, honestly, kind of I am. I think this, 
the fact human nature, you know, reacts to these monumental moments in our life in very different ways. And so it is worth exploring how different natures respond to these different life-changing moments. And Jonah's Okay by Waiki Wang. And again, I apologize if I'm mis mispronouncing Wang's first name. I think this is a really great approach to that. And especially if you are one who is still walking that journey of grief and wants to know you are not alone on that journey, this may be a very powerful book for you. So we will see if we continue in such a bend next week, or maybe there will be something completely different yet again. Until next time, read on, share on, and write on, my friends. Cheers.